Hey guys, so this week on the podcast, we are joined by Tim Gillingham. Tim is one of the top five archers in the world and is just an incredible wealth of knowledge and good information regarding all things archery. And with summertime already being here, it's safe to say that most of our minds are already starting to drift towards next bow season. And we always get questions sent in from you guys regarding archery topics, choosing an arrow, choosing a broadhead, tuning your bow, all kinds of stuff. And so Tim was just the perfect guy to have on here to answer those questions. Also, if you have not been to goldtip.com lately, you need to. There is an incredible tool called Build Your Own Arrow. If you're as picky about your arrows as we are, it is an awesome feature. You can go in there, design an arrow to your exact specifications, and get them shipped directly to your door. And lastly, if you enjoy this podcast, then do us a favor and go to iTunes, give us a rating, and write a review. Enjoy the show. So today um, on the podcast, we brought in, you know, for we brought in Tim Gillingham because uh, obviously a question that you guys ask a lot uh, is always regarding arrows. And so I could bring in me or Jordan or Troy or Will or Brad and us kind of meander around because I'd, I'd like to think we know a little bit about arrows, but I think we're better off asking someone like, like Tim who uh, has far more experience and knowledge than we do. So Tim, first, thanks for carving some time out of your day to, to talk with us for a little bit. Sure, anytime. So um, before we just jump straight into it, kind of kind of go over just briefly your you know your history with archery and how long you've been been doing it because like I said you you've got far more experience than we do. Sure. Well, I've, I've been shooting archery pretty much religiously for thirty five years. You know, it's kind of you know one of those. It's a more of a lifestyle. You know, I've done it twenty four seven. You know, just you know anymore. It's just you know it, it's work to me. I got to do other things for fun. You know. <laughs> Right. But, uh, you know, I, I bow hunted. I lived in Alaska for eight years, grew up in Wyoming. I live in Utah, I've been here since 97. I've worked at Gold Tip for 16 years, had a big part of, you know, helping them, you know, build the company and, and you know, build our product line, to, you know, to what archers want and desire. And, and nobody's going to know that better than a guy that's, you know, like myself, that's out there just in the trenches, you know, and, and really trying to push equipment to the next level. Um, you know, I, I, I strive to be as accurate to make a one, you know, a, a one shot hit in the field at any yardage I, I can shoot. I don't get a lot of time to hunt. So I spend a lot of time practicing so that I can make about any shot that I get presented to me when I do have a chance to hunt. So, right. um, you know, there's a lot of trends out there. I mean, everything we shoot is better than, you know, what the Indians had. So let's not get caught up too much in that, but, uh, you know, there's some pretty, diehard fervent people that think you know you need super heavy this for everything and i'm i'm definitely the devil's advocate on that i don't agree with that at all so right um i, I think a happy medium approach to for most things is, is, is a good uh you know good method and you know because number one reason we still miss in the field is is hunt you know is is yardage even with range finders the hunting situation in the field especially a western bow hunter is way more fluid okay yeah you don't really know you range the yardage but it keeps changing constantly and yardage is the number one thing that's going to make you miss right okay and people need to spend more time actually shooting their bows and getting better and more proficient with their equipment than trying to band-aid their bad shots with so-called heavy heavy arrows you know and that's right. why i'm really adamantly against people preaching that you can you know reliably breach major bone that is not the way we shoot you know, archery equipment and it is not reliable in any situation. I'm a big guy, you know, I'm a 33 and a half inch draw length. Um, I've shot setups of 112 foot pounds of energy and hit, hit a deer in the shoulder, just a mule deer in the shoulder and didn't make it through. So it's not reliable. Right. Okay. 
but you know, you, what is reliable is your ability to practice and, and become a better shot and, and to learn the lore of, of building and shooting more accurate setups. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. That's what, um, you know, I think, uh, uh, to your point, you know, I, I, I would say, you know, I, I, I w it wouldn't matter how heavy your arrow setup is. Like if you shoot a, you know, an elk in the shoulder, I, I, I don't think you're getting through there, you know? Well, even a mule deer, even, even a whitetail, even an impala, you know, what, these animals are moving as you're shooting, they're absorbing energy. And if you want to, you want to, uh, kind of illustrate that, you know, take a, you know, take a bag target and suspend it, you know, it absorbs a lot more energy when it can move when it's hit. You know, and you can imagine that animal kind of moving away as it's being hit. It's you're losing a lot of energy. So, um, you know, shot placement's king. I just had one of my shooters, uh, Lindsay Christensen, come back. A bunch of guys here went over to Africa on a big trip. She's killed about 12 animals with a bow. Right. And she killed an eland, a sable, big animals, okay? Eland's a huge animal. She did it all with a gold tip 500 pro hunter, uh, 325 grain arrow. Really? Okay? Wow. And... The, the, the key is, is she picked the right broadhead. You know, she shot a Montec broadhead that had a, a very good cut on contact. You know, it, it just penetrated easily and she had super success. What people forget is that shot placement's key. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm heavily involved in tournament archery. I'm one of the you know top pros in the world. Um, you know, I've it, been doing it for years and I run the national shooting staff for Gold Tip. So I'm, I'm in tune with a lot of, of the very best archers in the world. Most guys that shoot competitive archery in the U.S. also bow hunt. Okay? Right. Yep. And virtually none of them subscribe to heavy arrows, heavy FOC, and that's because they understand the value of having a little bit of speed in that equation to make sure that you get good shot placement. And you know, we if it was more accurate to shoot 300 and, or 240 foot a second, we'd be doing it. Right. Okay? In in known distance competition, but even in known distance competition. I still like a speed of at least 270 to 285, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I think that's, you know, that's because, you know, it's like rifle shooters talk about barrel lock time, okay? The amount of time the barrel, the rifle is in the barrel. It doesn't matter if you're sitting on a bench and you're never moving. Right. But if you're in a multi-positional shot standing and the barrel's weaving around and you're, and you're squeezing the shot off, the, the less time that that arrow is in the bow or the bullet is in the barrel, it's going to be more forgiving to you. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. So, but with everything, there's, there's always a happy medium. If you, if, I always tell people you want to build your setups around speed. Every setup that I build for archery is based around a speed that I want to achieve for a specific result. Okay. And right. then I find the arrow and, and the thing that I want to, uh, you know, if I'm only willing to pull 66 pounds, then I can only use these particular arrows or this particular setup or this much point weight. Right. So that's, kind of t how I tend to lean towards teaching people how to build setups. Right. You really don't want to go Western bow hunting where you're shooting out to 70, 80 yards, shooting 240, 250 foot a second. Your pin gap's going to be huge. Number one, you're barely going to be able to reach it. I can I can barely reach 100 yards with my bow, even at my draw length, um, with a bow that's shooting 295 foot a second. Right. And that's because, and some of that has to do with the release type you're using and, and your peep height. Your peep height is pretty big in that equation as to, you know, how much distance you're going to be able to get. But you start really slowing that setup up, you know, you may max out at 60, 70 yards if you have a, you know, a low peep height. Yeah. And most people would say, well, that's far enough. Well, you know, if, uh, the, the paradigms are different out west, okay? Yeah, for sure. No doubt. 50, 50 yards is your, is your guys' is 25. If you can't shoot 50 yards out here, you're probably not going to kill anything. Yeah. Or you're going to have a much harder time of it. Yeah, man, there there's spots down here in the southeast, you know. I mean, 
honestly, I mean, like the longest shot you're going to get a whitetail would be about 40, you know? So, it, like uh, like you're saying, it's a completely different ballpark than, than where, sure. where you're at. Sure, and, and whitetails are different animals, too. You For know, sure. A mule deer will sit there and watch an arrow hit it like a champ at 80 yards, where a whitetail, you know, in that same situation, probably three body lengths away. You know, as you, like, I've hunted coos deer down in Arizona. I don't know how anybody could even hit one standing there looking at them at 40 yards. Right. I, mean, I think it's kind of a crapshoot at some point. So I just try to make my arrows very quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another thing that I learned from uh, a guy named Steve Cobreen. I don't know. Not a lot of people know who Steve Cobreen is. Steve Cobreen has probably killed more SCI world record animals than any other per- person in history, even more than Archie Nesbitt. And he's killed 60 species with a bow that no other white man's killed. So. Right. He is a very experienced bow hunter, and he, he always used to order. He shot for us for years, and he always used to order these uh, Vein Tech three-inch super spine veins. And I questioned him one day on it. He said, "Well, he ran a test on Impala, which are a very jumpy animal." Right. And he said, "I everybody says they jump the sound of the the bow." And I said, "Well, I'm gonna test this." And so he said he put a camera on the animal, and he uh, filmed the animal shooting at a target behind the blind and then he had him filmed it shooting at the animal. He said the reaction was absolutely night and day. He hmm. said the animals are, and I believe this too, I believe the animals are jumping the sound of the arrow coming at them. They're, they're hardwired to move away from, you know, from that sound coming at them. It's right. getting progressively louder. And it's amazing. I've had elk completely jump the string. I mean, and not, not jump the string, but hear the bow, look see the arrow and dodge the arrow and primarily i believe because i was required to shoot fixed blade broadheads therefore i had to shoot a four-fledged blazer vein to control them therefore i had a much higher noise signature and you know that that animal was able to to locate that arrow and, and dodge it you know right um whether he you know whether they just keyed right on it or they just you know it was this is obvious you just see it in the animal's reaction yeah and it's pretty interesting. So anymore, I, you know, I, I lean towards really mechanical broadheads that have low blade surface area simply because I can run smaller veins and keep a quieter setup and it's better and more efficient at longer ranges. So, right. you know, I'm kind of a technical guy. I really like high tech stuff and, you know, you kill deer and you kill elk or anything. People do it all the time, you know, and I have these conversations with guys every single day. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know I mean? It's like, a, um, you know, I remember you, you you came down, I can't remember, it was a couple of years ago, you were down at the Primo's office, and uh, I was playing, I don't know, I asked you about 100 archery questions, I felt like, but uh, you said a statement, you said ignorance is bliss until you miss, and uh, that one kind of stuck with me, because I, I mean, like I, I was that guy when I first got into archery, and I would go in the archery shop, and I would just go, I can afford those arrows, and I would just kind of roll with it, but, you know, um, and that, that's kind of why I, I brought you on here to begin with, is I kind of wanted to take... You know, because that's what a lot of our listeners are, you know, primarily whitetail hunters. Um, and, you know, we get questions that involve kind of the situations that, that you were talking about all the time. You know, they had, you know, they maybe they shot a deer in the shoulder. They can't figure out why um, they're not getting the speed they want. They're not getting, uh, you know, just stuff like that. And so I'm talk- well, well, some of it, you know, a lot of it is just people don't take the time to, you know, we see it every year. This huge mass influx two weeks before the bow season people pick their bows up and they want to go bow hunting. Right. You know? and Absolutely. Yep. Just bow hunting is not that way. I mean, I mean, if you're, if you're like me and you've shot your whole life competitively, yeah, you can, you know, it's like riding a bike at some point. And, but, but if you never took the time to get the basics then you, you really don't have that to, uh, you know, to fall back on. Um, my, my biggest thing, you know, as I always tell, my, one of my big statements is those who try nothing, learn nothing. Right. And, 
And so you got to continue to experiment and educate yourself. And we do a, a lot of stuff on Gold Tips website. You know, you and I film videos and we put them up there um, teaching you how to build arrows. Um, we just did an 11 video series, which I would highly recommend that yeah. everybody go watch. If yeah. you want a lesson on tuning and making your broadheads and your fill points fly the same or as close as possible and getting that perfect tuning setup, that 11 video series will cover and teach you everything you need to know about tuning the setup yeah. to ensure that you never get flyers. Um, there's another video you probably should watch on broadhead alignment teaching you how to spin tune your broadheads. You know, people blame the broadhead when they screw the broadhead on and it doesn't spin perfectly straight. Well, the broadhead, how the broadhead insert mate to each other and how the insert mates to the shaft all dictates, you know, how much uh, wobble you're going to get in your broadhead per se. Um, now, mechanical broadheads do reduce the effects of that, but they still need to be perfectly spun, you know, and tuned in in order to get optimal accuracy out of them. I bow hunted with a guy, uh, I don't even remember where it was, um, Illinois, I believe, one time. And I just was on a trip, and a guy invited me, and I said, I went with him. And I just remember spinning through his arrows, and he had some Grimmie for mechanicals on there. They were just wobblier than crap. And right. I'm like, that was always one of the worst-case scenarios because they, they used to have really small ferrules on, on, on those broadheads. So the inside diameter of an insert is .206. That's an AMO standard. Right. Well, they used to run their ferrules at 197, so you had a lot of room for – for error there and this guy just assumed that he could just screw a mechanical on and never have to worry about it well I mean, and, and for all intents and purposes he was probably okay for you know pulse range bow hunting yeah but you know if he would spin tune them in he would get a lot better accuracy out of his setup yeah for sure so yeah man um let's go to like you know like if you were to go to you know let's say like for one when we upload this podcast we'll definitely um point the people in the direction of that video series you talked about because i watched that myself and that was you like you're talking about that's incredibly informative um let's talk let's go to like um yeah this is stuff that took me 25 30 years to learn right and it's just you know it's there use it yeah absolutely i mean it's and it's the information I, 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 and I think if people understand what makes a bow tune and what makes them easy to tune, then when they go buy a bow, they're going to buy a bow based on those parameters, and it'll also make the manufacturers build better equipment. Right. Because just because you paid a thousand bucks or twelve hundred bucks for a bow does not mean it's going to be easy to tune. Yeah. You know, there are bows that are easy to tune, and there are bows that are a pain in the butt to tune. And, and you know, if people were more aware of that, then they would buy their bows based on them. They have a lot less tuning problems. Right. Yeah. I think that. Yeah, that could be. And then there's this tunability to the actual shooter. Everybody's got. It holds a bow a little bit different. So if the manufacturers are everything's perfect. Well, it's perfect for you or perfect for the guy holding it. So, you know, you, you have, you know, a wider range of tunability in some setups than others to the individual shooter. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah. Right. yeah. So, um, you know, you take a guy that, you know, as you say, he's just a, a whitetail hunter, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he goes to – you know, he, I mean, he hunts, I mean, he, let's call him an avid hunter. You know, he's, he's going to spend a good bit of time whitetail hunting. Hmm. And he goes to, you know, the Gold Tip website, and he's looking at all the, you know, the different arrows that we have. Uh, you know, you know what what does he need to look for? You know, I mean, because if you well, don't, if you just go and looking at it, you know, you see all these names, and if you, you know, you don't know what, what you're looking at primarily. Sure. Well, there's some very good product videos on every one of the, uh, the product pages. You can go on there and look. We've done a little bit of video work and telling you kind of what's the application of this particular arrow is. Now, this is where the value of an actual pro shop comes into play. You know, again, if you're going to, or you have to learn how to do this stuff yourself, if you're going to build your setups around speeds, like 
like I was telling you, say you want to uh, say you want to 180 foot a second use your speed goal for your hunting setup. Right. Then you have to know with the bow you're shooting what arrow weight is going to achieve that. Okay. Right. If it's a 400 grain arrow, then you're going to go back in. We have an arrow calculator on there. You can just go through the, you know, figure out the components and the grain weight and the fletchings and, and figure out what it's going to, you know, what, you know, let's just say, for example, that, you know, you have a, uh, 29 inch draw length, which is average and you're shooting 65 pounds and you know the, the chart says you know i'm going to be shooting at 28 and the arrow length is based on to you know your comfort as an archer where you want that broadhead right you know, we make a recommendation of an inch and a half front of the arrow rest but that's particularly for the lawyers and uh you know we just don't want people that are inexperienced cutting themselves with their broadhead right you know i personally shoot an overdraw you know i shoot 33 and a half inch draw length to the 28 and a half 29 inch shaft so you know that's a personal comfort level okay Right. Now, you want to attack bow hunting, you know, as, you know, what are you doing with it? It's kind of like buying 22 shells, right? Right. If you're going to go shoot, you know, rats or squirrels or whatever, you're not going to go buy federal match-grade ammunition and, and use a inshoots target rifle, right? Correct, yeah. Okay, so you got to kind of, if you're shooting hogs over a feeder, you know, one of the beauties of the gold tip system is, you know, you got three grades of every arrow. So you got a pro hunter, you got an XT hunter, and you got a hunter shot. They're all three the same. If you buy a 55 or a 400 spine or a 340 spine, they're all the same. And, you know, they will all hit the same uh, if you mix and match them together. Okay. Now, you want to go back through that video series and learn how to tune them all into each other. And there are some weight, you know, there's, you know, as a total of about 10 different grain weights that we sell in like a pro hunter that you may see across the spectrum of an XT hunter and a hunter. But 10 grains for all intents and purposes at 50 yards is almost not even noticeable in a bowling situation. Right. As long as they they tune the same uh, through paper, they're going to hit the same. So, you know, if you just want to shoot hogs over a feeder at 20, 25 yards, why would you shoot really expensive arrows? Right. Okay. Right. You might just, you know, get you a half dozen or a dozen, you know, hunters and, you know, do that. If you're going to be shooting longer distances now and you want straighter arrows and, you know, you're shooting fixed blade broadheads, which are more sensitive to, you know, those differences – um, you might want a bit, a little bit straighter arrow. You want know, a pro hunter, or a, you know, a velocity pro, or a, you know, something a little bit better straightness than the hunter grade. But you kind of got to, you know, face on on what you're going to use it for. Right. So I personally think that the, you know, one of the very best all around arrows. If I had to pick one arrow, and only arrow I could ever shoot would be one arrow. I would shoot a, a gold tip pro hunter. I think it's one of the most phenomenal arrows ever been made. I think it's the best happy medium in weight. I think it's the best happy medium in. Uh, speed you have an internal component system for broadheads which just makes you know broadhead durability um and alignment a lot easier right. as you get skinnier and skinnier shafts the, the problem becomes how do i mount the broadhead to it okay right and then you have to be a little bit more uh, in tune with how to spin tune broadheads and we do do a video on building the pierced hunting arrow it covers how to do that it's a little bit more uh, labor intensive purposes you can't just slap stuff together with super heat and have good results um you know, I'm using the Pierce arrows for hunting myself because I like, you know, performance setups, long range, um, long range in the wind. And Thorne came out with a broadhead uh, two years ago, and I was pretty impressed with it. I've always been really impressed with the NAP kill zone. I like rear deploy heads because they leave big entry holes. Okay? Right. Um, rage, kill zone. I like the kill zone just because I like the clip system better than I do on the rage, but to be fair, I mean, I haven't really messed with some of the hypodermics in there and their practice tips. Uh, um, I heard mixed results on broadheads like dead meat, 
you know, but then those are all rear deploy designs. Okay. Right. But the thorn rod head basically took the kill zone and then put the pin, the blades underneath the ferrule. So you basically have a broadhead that flies with no exposed blade surface area, has a practice clip. So you can actually practice and side in and do all your paper tuning with the broadhead. That's exactly the same length, you know, as you're going to be pulling out of the quiver. Now, if you tune your arrow with a fill point and then you put a long broadhead on, you probably have a completely different tune. Right. So I'll, a lot of times, you know, when I'm using screwing broadheads and I'm shooting salmon, I shoot a long broadhead like a kill zone. I'll do my paper tuning with a bare match point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're only, you know, straight up honestly, they're not very good quality. They're made out of really soft aluminum. So you got to watch it because you'll bend them. And, but it's the best case scenario for me to, you know, to tune my, my setup so that I'm not getting any surprises when I pull an arrow out of the quiver. Gotcha. Yeah. So That makes sense. I think, know, but uh, the, thorn, the thorn is cool. So I this this last year at the ATA show, and or the, the year the, the first year they come out, I, I they they really liked our Pierce Platinum arrows. So yeah. I challenged them. I says, well, why don't you guys build a glue-in model that accepts the gold tip back weight system? I said you're going to solve the problem that people have with small round arrows, which is how to mount a broadhead to them. Right. And so they come out with two models now. They have a 1.75 and a 2.2 that have a glue-in broadhead system in 110 120 grains now i just use 100 and straight up 120 i shoot all my tournament archery with 120 grain you know 120 140 grain head why would i want to change that for target i mean i mean for hunting i mean i'm shooting five inch groups at very very long ranges over 100 yards and i'm shooting 130 yards i can hold a five inch group with this broadhead but right. i can run a really small vein like a 1.75 on it you know so i can keep that noise signature down but it's a really good system for mounting a broadhead to a small diamond arrow. You know, right. if you use our standard insert system, it's a little longer. I still think it's the best system for mounting a, uh, it's the strongest insert system for a, uh, uh, a 166 diameter shaft. But you do have to, you know, you have to get familiar with how to spin tune your broadheads in. And guys really like them. They, I mean, we've been really successful with that arrow. Uh, the new airstrike arrow is kind of a happy medium. You know, if you want a performance setup, it's it's going to be about two grains an inch lighter than the chaos, which is a two also our other two hundred four diameter shaft. Right. The chaos is probably the toughest arrow. So if you just want to, you know, this is the thing that's hard for people to sort out. You know, um, you know what is the difference in these arrows? Well, when you're getting lightweight arrows, typically you're not going to get as durable of an arrow because you're either going to be using high modular graphite to get the weight, or it's going to have thinner sidewalls. You know, and some of the lightweight stuff coming out of China is really fragile. Right. Because they don't they don't use as high quality of prefrag as we do a gold tip, okay? Right. And, and it just doesn't create as tough an arrow. I mean, you just want the toughest arrow a gold tip makes. You're going to want to get a pro hunter or a uh, the chaos. The chaos is just phenomenally tough, and it right. has a two part insert system, which I believe is one of the best insert systems we have. I mean, an internal system is probably like the pro hunter is probably a little tougher, but I think. My experience with shooting chaos is uh is I really like our two part system that we have on that, and that's mm-hmm. the same same insert system we have on the new airstrike. Right. Uh, Owen Strong, one of my shooters out of uh, um, he's just a hunter out of uh, Australia. This guy's killed over three hundred fifty water buffalo with a bow. Oh my god! I mean, it's amazing. And he's shooting. He just sent me a bunch of pictures. He shot with the airstrike. You know, he shot. He shoots. He shoots them for. Uh, he has like a coal permits or or like permits to kill water buffalo to help feed the villagers and stuff right, yeah and uh so he gets a chance to do a ton of bow hunting and he doesn't build crazy setups most of the stuff's around 500 grains and he says that's mainly so i can slow them down so my fixed blade broadheads are accurate right and 
you know, he doesn't go crazy on them. And these are huge animals. Yeah. You know, he's getting, you know, end for end penetration a lot of times on them, shooting them at 60, 70 yards, you know, but primarily just use a two blade rod. They use a rod over there called a Cayuga. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a one piece molded two blade, looks a lot like a Zwicky Eskimo. Right. But they shoot so many animals on them. That's probably the best logical explanation for shooting a fixed blade I've ever heard. He said, we just can't afford to shoot mechanicals. Right. Because you just be going through too many animals. Yeah. 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 So they got to be able to clean them up, resharpen them, and go. So, you know, it's such a target rich environment over there that you know, I think they have tons of bow hunters. And when you do go up on the Cape and stuff like that, it's just the hogs are just stupid, from what I understand. Yeah. That's all. I mean, I've, I've never been there, but that's the stories I hear from there. It's about the same, you know, the same as what, what you've said. But, uh, um, it's the crocodiles and the snakes that I don't really like, <laughs> jive with. <laughs> yeah, because apparently there's a lot over there, too, of those. And I, yeah. Oh. Bad ones. <laughs> I just talked to a friend that was over there hunting with some crazy guys, and they said they were taking a boat across this inlet in the middle of the night in six foot seas, freaking sharks in there. And every, like, going up rivers that crocs are laying all over the place. I'm like, man, I don't know if I could relax. Mm. I don't know if I could handle that. I'd have to have a. I don't know. I don't, I don't just, I did other things to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> Before Australia, there's too many things that can go wrong. <laughs> it's like, kind of like the mountains, you know, places that freeze. I visit the south, so I know never to move there. Right. There's too many creepy crawlers and stuff to bite. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. chiggers, I mean, chiggers are the curse of the earth. Yeah, well, there's plenty of those down here, unfortunately. We yeah. tangle with them a lot during the early, early bow seasons. I call them coward bags. I, I would be afraid to like, go turkey hunting or something. I think I'd be covered up with the darn things. Oh yeah, it's it's a it's a common occurrence, especially if you don't put on the right kind of deterrence. It, it'll they, they can they can eat you up. There's no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So l- let's talk about you know more towards say if it's a you know a, a you know like a younger person or or maybe a woman that can't you know sure. that's got a shorter draw length. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hear you, you know, a term you've used a lot is, you know, you say find the happy medium, you know, where do you, where do you go in that well, respect? Well, in that respect, and I see a lot of just really bad advice, you know, online with people giving people that are, have short drawings. Oh, you need to put everybody in a 600 grain arrow, regardless of their freaking drawings. And it's like, you people have never shot a bow. It seems like, you know, right. you ever try to shoot 160 foot a second. Yeah. You know, it blows, you know, Man. my wife, for, my wife, for example, I mean, I had her shoot her first animal you know pulling 40 pounds i had her shoot her first antelope with a two-blade gold tip gladiator mechanical she shot it at 18 yards got a complete pass through now animal like an antelope is a is a pretty light-skinned animal but right. you know that she didn't get you know good penetration but it's not like it just went zip zip you know right now the second animal she shot i was a little more suspect and kind of moved her off fixed off of mechanicals after that because um she shot a mule deer at 45 yards and just absolutely drained him right behind the shoulder. And, but he took like two steps and tipped over. So the only thing I could think would happen is that arrow went in the chest cavity. And when he moved, it, it, it must've veered upward and nicked his spine and knocked him down, you know, but, hmm. um, so I kind of, she didn't get the best penetration there. So I thought, eh, she just don't have enough energy to be doing that. So her setups now, I take a, a deep six insert, put it in a pierce arrow. So I think I'm going to get better energy, you know, better focused energy, you know, more energy focused in a smaller area with an arrow like a Pierce, right. better velocity retention downrange, and I just did a glue-in wasp broadhead in a deep six model, and I think it's going to be, be a pretty good setup. Um, I had a girl come by the booth uh, a couple years ago at, at one of the tournaments, and she wanted an elk hunting setup. Okay, right. And he's talking to a girl that's shooting 42, 43 pounds, you know, and I thought, what do I put her in? 
And so I told her to shoot a 500 velocity. And I said, just be careful and pick the right broadhead. I said, I would go to a two blade head. So she shot a, a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Magnus stinger, which I think is one of the very best penetrating heads for, for women, kids, that have very low energy. Really? Um, in fact, Russ Richardson, Russ and Corky Richardson live in Arizona. They're, you know, renowned bow hunters, been all over the world. Their mother hunts it. She's killed like, I don't know what the, she's like the first woman to kill all 13 animals in, in Arizona for the bow. Wow. Um, she's a grizzly bear and a moose with, with a fairly light setup. I, I don't know. It was either a 500 or a 600 ultralight and got complete pastures on both of them with that setup. Okay. You know, just a shade over 300 grains. Um, it's all shot placement. And grizzly bears and bears aren't that hard to kill anyway, I don't think. You know, it's, you know, they don't have really beefy ribs, you know. Right. If you're, if you're shooting a giraffe, then you might want to rethink the situation, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think for whitetail hunting, I think when you're dealing with that kind of poundage, you know, one of the things that i found that really makes a fixed blade fly well is four fletch. Um, I, I just, I, I, it was so compelling to me that I pretty much have incorporated four fletch patterns on every one of my hunting setups. Every one of my target setups even has four fletch on it because when I get into my large diameter arrows for target shooting, they're kind of like fixed blade broadheads. They have a lot of surface area. So they, you know, when you make a bad shot, you know, they want to steer off. Right. So the two things that help them are point weight and fletching and four fletch in a high profile, like a blazer just makes a 30 X or a triple X, a large arrow like that. Speak the language. It makes them really forgiving. Yeah. And when I drop down to a three flush pattern, I can, I can see the forgiveness and forgiveness really equates to is, you know, your good shots, you're always going to hit the middle. Okay. It's just really, when you have a forgiving setup, you're going to, you're basically going to limit how far out that arrow takes, you know, takes off. You're going to hit a lot closer to the middle with your real forgiving setup. So, right. you know, and that's the importance of vein. I don't think, you know, I don't think people can do, you know, anything more for themselves with a, with an ignorant fixed blade setup than put more vein on the arrow. Right. Um, now, one thing to be cautious of is some of these broadheads on the market have a spin direction on them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you, I would, I would actually steer away from any broadhead that, that, turns you want the fletching to have control okay right i have made some mistakes where i had three guys coming in from sweden and i fletched two dozen arrows each for them and two dozen for me all four fletch uh left helical and uh, i do left helical because that's the way my arrows are naturally spinning coming out of the bow right and i bought up about 800 bucks with a ram cats for everybody we were going to idaho elk hunting mm. and i hadn't done my work you know, I didn't got, I just come off tournament season and I was getting ready when they were getting ready and, and getting them ready. And I mean, I, I went out to shoot a hundred yards and I literally shot a four foot group at a hundred yards. Hmm. And I was like, what the hell was that? Right. Yeah. And, and all it was is you're basically creating a knuckleball, you know, they're fighting each other. And even if you have right helical with the right spinning broadhead, you still have to get the spin ratio right. So you're better off using a straight blade. And then using the, the veins to do the spinning. Yeah, it makes sense because in that case you had the, the broadhead and the fletchings were fighting against each other. Yeah, they were fighting. And, you know, and I kind of got, you know, and this is just, you know, this is just enlightenment from years of shooting, like that whole thing that, you know, those who try not to learn that. You know, years ago I shot a Rocky Mountain Turbo with a setup, and I was convinced that a broadhead that spun was more forgiving. Right. Until I tried it again, and I must have got the spin ratio wrong between the right offset and my 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 veins and the right offset and the, and the broadhead must have been at, at slightly different levels and 
it never shot. And then I switched back to like a Grim Reaper Hades that had a, a straight fixed blade. And I mean, yeah. my groups just tightened right up instantly. So, yeah. you know, that's something I would caution people. Um, you know, if you haven't tried four fletched, I would highly recommend. Yeah. I mean, especially with fixed blade broadheads, um, mechanicals, you can get away with a, quite a bit less, but you just want to be able to look at the mechanical and say, how much blade surface did you expose? Do I have a ch- chance of one of these blades, you know, deploying, you know, if you do, Number one, I pick a different broadhead design, but um, you know, but you, you want to basically assess how much bane you're going to need based on how much blade surface area you have exposed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that that was a uh, honestly, I'm and I'm just kind of showing my, you know, my ignorance, I guess, to to the subject when the the Valkyries first came out, and I was like, mm-hmm. I'd never personally, I didn't even all I'd ever seen was a three fletch, and so I was like, you know, what is a four fletch? I was like. I'm sure it's good, but I don't even know what it does. You know, I didn't know. Well, well, there's a reason for that, really. Back when I started, everybody four-fletched. Right. Um, but we were hand-fletching everything. And then Norway came out with fletching machines, so all the manufacturers fletched everything on Norway fletching machines for years, and they only get three-fletched. So, you know, when we redesigned our when we designed our own fletching machines, we designed an option to four-fletch them. And, you know, and I think, you know, I didn't convince them to do it cross the line like I, I think you could recreate the whole blazer phenomenon with four slides because i firmly believe the average guy that picks that up and starts shooting is going to see a remarkable difference oh yeah no i did because i started i started shooting them and i could i could see a difference just you know just myself not even you know doing a little bit of research on it that i did and then you know trying it because now when you you know with the the like you said it's an option with with gold tip now you can get four flitch arrows so mm-hmm. I mean, it worked incredibly well for me well, and, and people call me up all the time. They want, hey, what vein should I put on this arrow? I said, well, I don't know. I mean, there's so many, you know, you got speed, you got weight, you got all these different parameters. I said, the way I find it is I go flex three arrows up one way, three another way, three another way, and I go out and shoot at the max distance I want to be shooting. And I see which one grips the best. Right. And there's there really no other way of doing it. Yeah. You know? Understood. Yeah, understood. Same way you, same way you have to work a load up for a gun or, you know, I've been playing with pellet guns, same thing you got to do with them. I mean, there's no such thing as magic. No. People want to buy same whole accuracy. There's only a certain amount of accuracy that you can buy. The yeah. rest of it you're going to have to earn. You're going to have to learn. Yeah. Okay. And you know, it, and it might be adequate. I mean, as Ted Nugent shoots for us, and I mean, I had that conversation with him, and he just, just he don't care. He just hunts. You know, he didn't he didn't care to have that level of accuracy that I was talking about. You know. So we're back to him. I mean, as long as he knows and keeps to his limitations, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't don't preach to me and don't don't preach to me that I'm unethical when I can harvest an an animal at 80 yards ethically better than most people can do it at 40. Right. Yeah. Okay. Everybody has their own, you know, their own um, limitations, and and they should stick to their own limitations. And like Randy Omer had one best thing: he'd walk out every morning and shoot one arrow, and and I think he shot it at 100 yards, and just to see. Where is my first arrow going to go? Where is my limitations? Where should I be cautious? Because, you know, you might be able to stand in the backyard and do it over and over again, and everybody posts their best group, but what does your first arrow go? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's where all this tuning and and learning your equipment and learning how to tune individual arrows. One of the big mistakes I hear see people do is they'll go buy a dozen arrows and they'll leave six of them. I'll, take, I'll practice these six, and then I'll leave these six behind. Like the brand new ones are going to shoot better than the, the ones that they've shot. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, I would caution against that because one thing I've learned in your, learning that video series is that all arrows are not created equal. The harder you push them, I mean, I, I'm pushing them hard at my drawing. So I think I see the worst case scenario um, is I want to make sure I've shot that arrow before I take it into the field. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, because it was uh, I think it was I mean it was whenever it was you were down here at the office that um I had to go. I'd never at that point I'd never killed an elk with my bow, and I was going that fall, and uh, I took all my arrows and I put you know I, I took a sharpie and I was marking the fletching so I know which one was what and I could you know and uh I got to where I was comfortable you know with the ones that I was going to have in my quiver taking hunting with me sure and, that, yeah, and even if I go and tune and I know pretty much that I will be very meticulous about paper tuning my stuff and all my arrows that I'm not going to have a flyer but if I'm deciding that hey I'm going to antelope hunting or I'm going to, I, I need a really good long setup I'm still going to number them arrows I'm going to catalog them and I'm going to catalog the performance um you know, over six or eight or 10 shots, just to know and be comfortable that, Hey, there, there are no flyers. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What what are your thoughts on, you know, uh, like, I know rage has like practice heads, but you know, what are your thoughts on a guy that, you know, that, you know, that shoot, you know, in their backyard with their field tips and then they grab a broadhead that they've, you know, mechanical, I mean, say it's it's a mechanical broadhead or, you know, and they've never, they've never hunted with it before. They just throw them on and go out into the woods. Well, I'm here to tell you, the first thing I do with any new broadhead that I'm trying is when I get done with this head, I put three of them in, in hunt mode, and I shoot them in 100 yards. And I have seen some ugliness. Right. You know, I, I shot some, I don't know what they were. They were some G5s. Had little spider clips on the back of them. Mm-hmm. And, man, I shot like a freaking four-inch group at 100 yards of their practice heads. And I was all excited and and I put three of them in hunt mode, and I probably shot a two-foot group. Oh, wow. And it's because the blades were coming open. So, you know, and, 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 and I, I, you know, and I, and I know they've got a new clip system on their new stuff, which I, don't know, I was talking to a guy the other day, and he said, yeah, it works really good. But, you know, I also had a couple guys tell me that they didn't come open. You know, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I endorse the broadheads that I, that I endorse for the, you know, and I don't get nothing out of it. Right. You know, other than maybe they send me some broadheads to play with every once in a while, but I'm not committed to anybody. Right, yeah. Um, but I like kill zones. I like the clip system. I like the practice blade system that they come with a kill zone because I will tell you right now, they will fly exactly like the actual broadhead. Right. About to 120 yards. Yeah. So if, you, if you're if you sighting in with their practice blades, you know, I would not sight in with a, you know, with a fill point because I think, number one, your broadhead's inch and a half, two inches long. Your fill point's three quarters of an inch long they're going to tune completely different yeah for sure for sure so you you got to check that impact point with and hunt with a broadhead in hunt mode before you you know decide to carry in the field and you might be able to get away with it out to 30 or 40 yards mm-hmm. maybe 50 even it depends on again how hard you're pushing that arrow if you're shooting it and this is one of the reasons we also tell people when they're close on this mine charge is always go stiffer there's really no negative to going stiffer right now the bow's knock travel is going to dictate how how much different reaction you get based on you know changing the length of the arrow, the spine of the arrow. If you have a bow with really good knock travel, like um, you can put a variety of different arrows through them and get basically the same tune hmm. um, if they're the same diameter. Right. Um, if you got a bow with pervasive you know up or down knock travel, that will change a lot as you change through spine. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just got to, you got to test it plain and simple. I mean, I give you my, my three favorite broadheads are Thorn, uh, Killzone, and then Bloodsport Night Furies. Gotcha. Night Fury, I tried them last year on Kodiak. And the reason is I just thought maybe, you know, I've shot some different broadhead designs over the years. And I thought, man, that one looks like it might fly like a field point. I'd like to try that because it'd be nice to know a broadhead that if, you know, I could just go to practice with my field points and that broadhead flew exactly like a field point. 
put out to 120 yards. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I, I just like a rear deploy because a fullback broadhead like that, you don't necessarily get as good entry holes. Although me and another buddy killed four deer on that trip and they were all, you know, really good, you know, kills, you know, I mean, really good tissue damage. And, you know, he was shooting at 27 half and strong. I'm shooting 33 and we both got real good results out of it. So yeah. What more can you ask for? Well, he, he showed up to camp shooting something and he was having broadheads playing all over, playing all over the place. And, and when you're on Kodiak Island in the wind, I mean, six blade broadheads are not necessarily your friend. <laughs> right. Yeah, for you sure. Know? And a lot of times that, that sick to hunting, I mean, you're in open hillsides, you can be some long range shooting. And, uh, so, I mean, you, you just got to set up, and, you know, gear towards, uh, you know, what you're actually doing. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing I, I got, you know, I've, I've already, you know, I've already eaten up more time, more of your time than I, than I, than I intended to. Um, but, but one question I definitely want to get, uh, for you to touch on, um, and so, you know, I hear one of the things that you talk about a lot is, you know, or you mentioned it earlier, talking about the guy, you know, like say it's two weeks before deer season, they crack the bow case open for the first time. In in your opinion, you know, if a guy is going to go and bow hunt, guy, woman, whoever, like how often do they need to be practicing? How often do they need to be shooting their bow? Well, I would think a couple times a week. I mean, nothing's going to make you better than competing. Right. Get in a local 3D league or shoot, you know, shoot a 3D tournament twice a month. You know, but you got to get involved with the people. All the innovation comes out of, out of tournament shooting. You know, all the gun innovation comes out of competition shooting because those are the guys that are involved in it twenty four seven. They probably right. still hunt, but you know they're accuracy freaks, and so they they're trying to push the envelope and get everything there is out of it. And they're going to teach you. You know, by hanging around people like that, you're going to learn form issues. You're going to learn equipment things. You know, yeah. You, you, you're just not going to learn. It's not, I mean, you can, if you're, some people just have an innate ability to problem solve. Right. Um, but that's not really super common that I see. Um, so, I mean, you, you should shoot a couple times a week. I think I, I just, I think it's pretty important. I mean, you know, I haven't shot for a couple, almost a week and a half just because of protecting my shoulders a little bit. I'm getting old, but <laughs> <laughs> I've shot a billion arrows through my shoulders and I just ain't liking it much anymore. Right. Right. Understood. So, Gotcha. But, uh, you know, for a guy like me, I mean, it's not a big deal because I've done it so long. Right. I, I, yeah. You know, it's like riding a bike. You know? Yeah, you've got that muscle memory built up, right? Yeah. So, well, well, man, but we look. never really, you know, one thing we never really touched on much is the, is the, you know, the Western bow hunter. I mean, you know, you're dealing with longer range shots, and we kind of did a little bit. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that you know, call up and they, they think because they're coming and hunting elk that they fundamentally need to change their setup. And they need to go super heavy on arrows you know so on and so forth i would say no i, I think you're, you're you know as long as you're shooting a 380 to a 440 grain arrow somewhere in that neighborhood and, and and again base it around speed but pick your broadhead based on your energy right okay and if, if you're only if you want to shoot a mechanical broadhead you're only shooting 60 pounds hey go to a 1.5 or 8 or go to a 1.75 thorn or a 1.75 kill zone don't try to push the two you know 2.2 although you know to be fair you know, I got a good friend, Jake Jacobson, who's been hunting, bow hunting for 50, 60 years on Jake's archery out here. And I finally talked him into kill zones one year. And he goes and gets the biggest one, of course, 2.2s, right? Right. Well, he shot two big elk in the last three years with him. And I mean, the, he said he is so impressed with the blood trails. He was over with that group in Africa. And I mean, he's just, I keep commenting on the way photos. He's got these giant gaping wounds in every one of these things. And he's only shooting 340 green arrows at 64 pounds yeah and See, that's impressive complete, to me yeah he's getting complete pass through on on the first big elk he killed it was 397 bull and then last year he killed one 
Uh, another 360 bull, Christ. big bodied animals. And, you know, it was a quartering shot. So he, he went all the way through and hit the shoulder. I mean, we're talking, you know, that's not a, that's a 340 grain arrow. Yeah. Okay? And that's and a big animal with, with thick skin. Yeah, there's guys out there would tell you that's irresponsible and blah, blah, blah. Bullcrap. I think it's irresponsible that you need an arrow, you know, to, if you're building an arrow around you missing, I mean, that's just, that's, that's, that's totally anti what, what you should be building yourself around. You should be building yourself for actors. Right. Okay. You should be training yourself so that you can handle the pressure situations. If you're a competitive shooter, you're going to know the value of holding weight. You're right. going to know the value of pulling hard in the shot when you get nervous. You know, but if you just go out there and, and you get you get thrown, you know, you got an elk charging in and, and you just your nerves go ape on you and you don't know how to deal with it, and then you want to blame the broadhead afterwards or right. blame the arrow, I hear that every time. Oh, I hit an arrow on the shoulder, I need a heavy arrow. No, you need to learn how to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> you need to learn how to handle those situations because the only thing that is controllable is your ability to shot, put the shot placement on that, that animal. Right. That's the only controllable aspect. I mean, you can shoot a, a Valkyrie system, you know, super heavy, 650, 700 grain arrow, and you can hit a bull elk in the shoulder. And you might get lucky if you hit the blade and you might go through. Right. But you might, if you hit the knuckle or you, even on a mule deer, you're not going through. Yeah, I, and I, and I definitely, under any circumstances, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to bet on going through an elk shoulder. That's just too much to risk. Well, and then the downside of that is what people don't talk about, and this I've seen this over and over again, is when you shoot a small six blade broadhead. Now all of them will kill fast. You know, it's not that big a deal. But a lot of times when you're hunting elk and you're the last few minutes of dark, and that's really prime time. You're right. Right. You shoot a bull, everything blows out. You shoot a small fixed blade, they don't necessarily leave blood for 150, 200 yards. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's very difficult to sort the blood trails out and find the blood trail. Whereas if I'm shooting like an NAP kill zone, and I, I talked to several guys I should compete with, you know, down in Arizona, and they said the same thing when rage come out. They just love the blood trails. Yeah. And you get blood right at the point of impact. And that, I think, is extremely important. You know, so that you have a good blood trail to follow. Oh, for sure. Now, the, the diehard fixed blade guys are, you know, going to be diehard fixed blade guys. I mean, you know, I had a guy try to talk me into it. I said, no, I, you know, last year, and I said, you'd be better off just going to talk to somebody else because I, I've shot nothing but mechanicals since 92, and I don't think you're going to talk me into a fixed blade. I shoot him when I have to. I just don't. I'm, I'm, I'm totally confident with them, with my mechanicals, and I've never had a problem, and I don't see the value. And I, of a, of a fixed blade and i feel like i'm always giving something up when i'm shooting a fixed blade right now everyone's got their own argument they've got their own comfort level you know i see the same thing with arrow rest and tournament archery you got a guy shoot blade rest and i shoot a drop and most people don't shoot a drop because they don't trust them because a lot of them are built like crap um you know the hamsky rest that i shoot are built for a reason so that you can trust them right broadheads are no different broadheads the same situation you know guys some guys don't trust mechanicals i hear this crap all the time you know you know, guides over in Africa, we don't allow fixed blade. We don't allow mechanicals. Why? I just have a whole crew of guys kill about 40 animals or 50 animals in Africa. Most of them shooting mechanical broadheads or, you know, reasonable setups. Right. They don't have any problems. Yeah. Not you know, and I see, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm in tune with thousands of people that are shooting and stuff with all different setups. And, you know, they don't look at mechanical broadheads as a, as an issue. No, like I said I, I've never shot the kill zone. We all shoot um, the rages over here, and I mean, like the our elk season. I don't. Most of our elk, one, like you said, you find blood pretty much on impact, and mm -hmm. most of them, I, I think. Well, 
all of them really have gone. I mean, they don't go over 100 yards, and it's you just kind of well, walk and easily look down at the blood trail the whole time. Sure, and you're, you're creating a huge sucking chest wound when you put an entry hole in there. They suck a lot of oxygen in their lungs, and that's what really puts them down is they pass out from, you know, the oxygen loss. Right. Whereas if you put a little bitty hole to them that's, you know, an inch cut in diameter with a fixed blade, it may seal up, and they may be able to fill their lungs a couple more times and, you know, and, and go a little bit further. Right. And, and it may not, you know, if you hit them high in the chest, they may not leave any blood. Right. You know, for a while. And that can be tough. Like I said, that can be tough to find them. Um in some of those situations that yeah. being said you, you can kill them. guys kill stuff with just virtually every setup known to man you know right but, but even like you, know, you can talk touch a little bit on the trad guys even you know some of the trad guys think they need super heavy but you know most guys that i run into contact with and i shoot a little trad and i, I'm, you know, I know some of the better shooters here in utah they're trad hunters they, they don't the best guys don't subscribe to stupid heavy setups they're mm. still shooting 400 420 grain arrows mm. because they, they want to be able to hit what they're aiming on right you know yeah makes sense man i mean it, it makes sense um definitely uh i don't know i, I think that we need to get uh, whenever we post this podcast we'll post links to some of these like the, the videos and stuff that you're talking about because you've done more than just that one video series you mentioned there's plenty sure. of that stuff that you've mentioned there's videos on available on the through gold tip yeah, that are that are just yeah th- yeah there's product videos on the on the webs you know we we shot on the actual page for the product you can click on and kind of know, you know, teaches you a little bit about this particular, what its niche is, um, so on and so forth. And, you know, and we, and we have a, you know, we have a, a section that just covers all of our, you know, our components, our, our component weights, our, our shaft diameters, ODs, IDs, you know, so that you can, you know, have all the information you need to build the very best arrow. Um, you know, the average guy going in and buying arrows, you know, one thing I want to touch on real quick is on the gold tip line of shafts. You know, if you're going to get serious and you're going to shoot longer range, you really got to pay attention to weight. You know, gold tip weight codes all of our high end shafts, mm-hmm. and we put a weight code sticker on the actual package of shafts when you get them. So, if even if you're buying arrows, even at say Bass Pro Shop, or you're buying arrows at Cabela's or something, um, I guess it is Bass Pro now. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> uh, one and the same. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a weight code sticker on the box, so. If you want to go back and buy another half dozen, another dozen, you know, you want to be able to match those up. And that's right. something that you'll learn as you, you know, just like reloading bullets or anything, you'll, as you get more experienced, you'll learn what that, how to, how to, how to maintain those tolerances. And we do videos, you know, our local YouTube channel does videos and covers all that stuff. You know, I, right. build a, I do a, a video called Building More Accurate Arrows. Right. And it's a 15, 20 minute video that goes through how I take a set of arrows and build them from start to finish to build the best finished product. Mm-hmm. And, and a little bit guys get intimidated by fletching arrows. I've been fletching arrows since I was 13 years old. And I wouldn't let anybody fletch my arrows, put it that way. <laughs> I understand. I understand. So it's really a very simple thing. You see lots of gimmicks come out on the market, you know, to solve the problem of fletching arrows that, frankly, I don't see, think people perceive as a problem. Most of them are gimmicky. Most of them don't work. And the simplest thing to do is teach a guy to fish, you know. Right. Yeah, for sure. You know, give them a forty dollar fletching jigger. You know, if you really want to buy one for the rest of your life, just get a bits and burger. It'll last you the rest of your life, and then you can fletch all your own arrows. You can repair your own arrows. You can do different experiments. You know, so that you become more educated. And, you, and you know, it's really not that hard. I mean, two two I veins is what we use at Gold Tip now. It's what I personally use. Um, they're really really easy to fletch with. You know, Gold Tip's tip grip or virtually any Sinolacrylate light on the market makes them makes fletching with that vein combination just absolutely stupid proof. Right. It's really not that difficult to do, and, and I think people should should really, you know, 
learn how to do their own stuff. I mean, that way you don't have to go down to a dealer every time you want to repair an arrow when you're shooting, you know, groups and stuff. So yeah, well, the resources are out there, like you're saying. Yeah, you want to you want to try hard helical or a little bit of helical. I mean, you have the ability to do that once you own your own clutching gig. So, um, and you'll see that virtually all the guys that are top level, you know, and experienced are all clutching their own arrows. I mean, they're they're not having somebody else do that for them. Right. Yeah. For sure. No doubt. And they're not shooting, you know, you know, all these gimmicky things on the market that don't work. I remember a, a girl I had shot for me and she, she was frustrated at a tournament. She wasn't doing very good. I said, you know, bring your arrows over here. She was shooting these. I don't even know what they were called, but they look like a dart flight on the back of an arrow. Right. Right. I said, I, I have a hard enough time talking to guys in a pin bushings because they're afraid they're going to bend. These things are ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> um, and so I brought her arrows over there and I spun through them and showed her how you know, only one or two of them were straight. And then I took the straight one. I, I just barely pushed my thumb against it and it probably, probably went 50 thou out. Hmm. You know, it was crooked as heck. And I said, there's no way in the world you're going to be able to run this setup. And, you know, she was a teenager, so she got all mad at me. And <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But, but, you know, there's just, again, there's all kinds of guys spend their life fortune trying to, especially in, and bow hunting trying to create products that basically try to solve a problem that people don't perceive as a problem. Right. You know, I see a lot of stuff and it's just like, man, you just learn how to shoot a bow. Yeah. Just get out and get involved in archery. It's going to teach you how to shoot a bow. Yeah. You know, that's that's what I think crossbows are really kind of hurting the industry is because the lazy bow hunter just goes out and buys a crossbow now because he can hunt in the bow season with a crossbow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. yeah, like it's legal in a lot of states now. And I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan personally. I don't have a problem with guy, older guys and people that can't draw bows, you know, shooting them. But I just it, it's just ridiculous some yeah. of it. You know, it's like muzzle loaders are kind of you know they're getting to the point where you know they're 500 yard accurate now. Why do you need a muzzle loader season? Yeah, oh, I agree with that. Yeah, it's basically it's the same yeah. thing. Crossbows are 450 foot a second. Yeah, and you don't even have to learn archery to shoot them. No, you just kind of point and click. They're really not that accurate, but <laughs> yeah, you know the Ravens are. I mean, they're pretty good. I mean, they're pretty good out of the box package. But yeah, there's only a market for so many two thousand dollar crossbows, I guess. <laughs> oh man, look. Usually, especially when it gets closer to the the bow season, the the, the archery questions just just keep flowing in. So I definitely would love to have you on again. But um, man, thank you yeah. for your time today. It's always always a pleasure to talk to you. I always end up learning. <laughs> well, that's what it's all about, you know. I mean, I don't. You know, I always got my ears to the ground to try to learn stuff. Even though I've been doing it for years and years, there's still stuff to learn. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why you're a good, <laughs> such a good resource to talk to. So, yeah, again, man, appreciate you coming on. It, it's It's been very yeah, informative. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny. You just, you know, you've been done this for 35 years, and you'll, you'll figure something out, and then you'll get clarity on, you know, something that happened to you 10 years ago. It's like, man, that's why that did that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, well, guys, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up today. I hope you all learned and enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Um, as always, if you have more archery questions, feel free to send them in uh, to the Primo's Facebook or Instagram page. And as always, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast. Thanks for coming on, Tim. All right. Thanks for having me.